welcome to Survivor at Home, the podcast. This is episode five following Survivor 42. I'm Jordan, and here is Andrew, my co-host alongside me. Andrew, we are excited to talk about episode five, but first I want to welcome in our guest, your sister, Katie Ironside, three-time Survivor at Home player and the queen of idols in Survivor at Home. That's been talked about multiple times. Katie, welcome in. How are you liking this season of Survivor so far? It's been really, hi, thank you. Glad to be here. Uh, it's been an interesting one. I feel like everyone I'm watching play this season is someone I know. Like they don't other, well, except for, uh, what do they call him? Goliath. Everybody else just seems like a normal human being, someone who's just having fun playing a game, trying their best. So I feel like it's been a new season in that sense that these aren't people who are, you know, it's not winners at war. Did you hear me last week say that? Oh, I, I might have. Sublinal, no, that's because <laughs> like, yeah. I agree. And then London Steve said it too. That's why it came up. Just how this is a very relatable cast. And again, it's not to diminish how they're playing. They're playing very well, but they do seem all fairly normal people. Like, yeah, I know someone that's like that in many ways. Except, for, yeah, except for Jonathan, <laughs> who is, that's interesting because like I I agree with that. In that, I can just picture myself walking through like we're in the Toronto area, so walking through downtown and just walking by each of these people individually and not kind of thinking twice they're just you know out in the crowd like they're there they're not celebrity or they're not there's nothing they're, they're great personalities and they've been really cool to learn about and uh, but they're very relatable and just from the real world and plucked into survivor so that's um that's a that's a ton of fun i'm actually convinced that i know marianne and it's not impossible because she is canadian we do have survivor at home connections with marianne so that's um that's cool potentially could have met her yeah, at some point i think i, no I think Marianne, if you're listening and you went to Pioneer Camp, let me know. I think I might have taught you archery. Ooh, wow. <laughs> Imagine Ooh. there's a challenge where she like has to do it. And then she's like, I remember that Katie taught me this and wins a challenge somehow. That would be pretty incredible. That would be epic. Yeah. Step aside, Jonathan. Yeah. Marianne's winning this challenge for your team this That's time right. with the archery. That's right. Katie. Yes. Well, Katie, I, I wanted to obviously welcome you on and acknowledge that you did a fantastic job this past January helping me run Survivor at Home season four. So those listening, we run again, this is Survivor at Home, the podcast named after the event that we run, which is an online two night extravaganza. It's the most intense two nights that people have ever taken part in fun games and competition and social social strategy inspired by Survivor. And we play it at home, Survivor at Home. Anyway, I've always run it by myself or a little bit of help from Steph, but I've never really had a partner in putting it all together. And this was the first year I did and having Katie and it was life-changing and really took it to the next level. The feedback was overwhelmingly positive and just the experience from on my end of the production side to not only plan the event, but then to run it uh, was just so awesome to have you there helping, even though you did complain about me being too loud <laughs> on the mic once in a while, but Really appreciate that. I would love to hear just in a minute, like what was your experience like going from three seasons of playing the game to now getting to see behind the camera, as it were, and producing and running as a host Survivor Home season four? One thing I would say is as much as we would thank you and celebrate you at the end of each season, I don't think any players realize how much effort you have put into each season. Uh, so just seeing the amount of thought, the, the weeks ahead of time that you're putting stuff together. So it was kind of definitely literally seeing behind the curtain of, uh, yeah, just how much creativity and care you put into it. Um, 
not that I thought you were lazy or anything, but I think it, re- it really just emphasized how much, how much work you put in. Uh, was, oh, yeah. Sorry, yeah, yeah. Kitty, was there anything like unexpected about the inner workings or background workings of Survivor at Home at all? Oh, uh, do you know what? I always wanted to know the, uh, the vote names when you hold up the names. I always assumed you just had one piece of paper and you just kept holding it up multiple times, but it's not. Mm-hmm. He prints out however many, 16 of each name and has them all laid out on the floor or whatever service you have well, a, behind the whole, scenes. It is a whole production set. There's all mm-hmm. kinds of things, like props set up. This year we printed off everyone's faces too and put them on a bulletin board which actually didn't end up being used, but I struggled to memorize who's on what tribe. And then like just in the midst of a tribal council or referencing back, especially after Emerge, I forget like who started with who. Because again, this is just one weekend. Whereas even here doing the podcast week by week, you, you quickly learn who's on what tribe and it's easier to remember. But yeah, it's but it's a blast. And yeah, Katie, you were fantastic. Anything like what, what was maybe one highlight for you uh, that either something a funny moment or exciting uh, moment of the week getting to enjoy the game and not feel the stress of playing it Um, (laughs) i think and it was fun that we could watch it together like there was i mean the iconic moment is alex getting it wrong in that one challenge and trying to (laughs) balance the lego but just having someone to sort of laugh with and yeah i I was preparing for i think it was preparing preparing for a previous week's guest i was going back through some of the videos and saw that video and just kind of played it and laughed at it of yeah, not reading the rules and trying to balance. Was it balanced some Jenga blocks? Meanwhile, no so. one else is doing that. And I think you guys kept your video off for that, but I can just imagine you dying uh, in the background watching that happen. Oh, yeah. It was, it was also, yeah. I was just saying, it was interesting. I tried to capture a lot of footage throughout mm-hmm. both evenings. Um, I think in the future, we could try a different system. That's, I was just holding up my camera to the computer screen, but even that thinking about when to record and what would make a good scene, it also gives me a lot of respect for the people who do the real show. And obviously they've got cameras running probably 24 seven, but the amount of storytelling that goes into the choices they're making on the ground, I really respect that. And I I just can't even imagine how much work that really is for them. Mm -hmm. The amount of footage that they would have to go through to, to end up with an edit at the end and, I would love to see more. I know they they release this anyways, but you don't always see it publicized is secret scenes or, or background scenes. Would love to see more of those and even know the timing of them. And I think that's more on me to go out and watch them, but I think there's more that you could watch. Um, and we've talked about it in previous episodes, but something like Big Brother has cameras rolling the whole time. Now it's different because that show's done live versus Survivor's filmed X amount of months ahead of time and then edited for us. So there's difference in that. I get it, but it's a pretty pretty cool thing to think about if you can get just more and more footage we just need more survivor footage every mm-hmm. every week that's what that's what we all that's what the fans are calling for right absolutely i'm always um, up for more footage i would watch it many many hours because yeah some of these shows like you said big brother the bachelor which is hugely popular uh with steph and many other people listening to this that i mean they, i don't even know how many episodes they have and like there's just hours and hours of content of some of these and then podcasts as well so we just love this stuff. That's why we we love the community of Survivor at Home. We love the podcast. We thank you guys and uh, you know everyone listening in to this. It's just phenomenal that you're taking part in this, listening each week. Um, some fantastic feedback. The numbers keep growing, and we yeah we wanted to thank you, the listener, for tuning in, making us a part of your week because it's a blast for us, and we hope that you get some joy out of this as well. It's a fantastic show, and it's an honor to be able to break it down with different guests each week. And something special that we did 
this week on our new Twitter account, again, at Survivor at Home, is we reached out and said, if you have questions about the show on TV, we'd love for you to submit those questions to us. And we're going to try to address as many of them as we can this week. So this week, we actually had two questions. We're just going to throw them right out there. The first from someone trolling Jordan's account, what even is Survivor? Take it away, Jordan, for the fans. So first listening. of all, I can guarantee this person is not listening to this podcast, so I can just tear them to shreds in this moment. No, <laughs> name um, them and shame them. Go ahead. It was a, it was a very much a troll job on me. What is Survivor? Survivor is an awesome game of strategy, social gameplay, physicality, and if you watch these episodes and listen to this podcast, you will hear all about it. And we have a ton of fun with it. I don't know. That is my best survive. Like I, the intricacies of, of a social game are so interesting to me because anything can turn the tide in a moment or over the course of time. Um, even in, in this episode, we see that where it looks like someone's going to be the, um, be the target going into tribal and then it flips to someone else and it flips back and all the different dynamics that play into it. And that happens times every single vote where, even we look at tonight's tribal council and this will be a spoiler alert if someone's listening to this portion of the podcast and didn't watch the episode yet but a week ago if you had said the tribe that went to tribal council tonight was going back you'd tell me who's going out and instead that person is making the decisions tonight on who's going out um which is a pretty cool flip and how that worked so mm-hmm. um yeah the social i was thinking that tonight so i mean everyone everyone listening has seen the episode if you haven't thinking. stop listening and go watch the episode yeah what are you doing back again why are you you're <laughs> being foolish you should have seen it so taking for example on the vati tribe you have daniel and chanel and mike who were basically running the show they were going to go after with jenny with jenny they were going to go after high or lydia and then look where they're at they're, they're at tonight with high and Lydia bringing in Mike and Mike saying, I'll do whatever you want. And he's not even questioning, even considering going back with Chanel or Daniel, which could have easily happened on some, some situations. Now they're determining Lydia and high. And they even Lydia says it like, we're running the show here. We're running the ship where you get to decide who gets out of here. So you're right. It's a fascinating game and it flip flops each week. Great question by your, you're not going to name and shame this person. You're Cameron, going to be, Cameron, get Cameron, out of here with these Cameron, questions. And can you give his home address? I so do not have that actually. So no, go I, buy don't, an I don't have that. No, no, we don't endorse that. Please don't do that. It's just Are we joke. sure? But we should. Um, question number two comes from former survivor at home contestant and my wife, Stephanie, asking if you could pick just one, you can only say one name. Who is your favorite all time survivor contestant i want to make sure i got that right but think about that i'll just give you 10 seconds as they pull it up she says who is your favorite all-time survivor player you can only choose one so this isn't who do you think is the best it's who do you who's your favorite all-time i'm a fan of aubrey aubrey good choice we watched that finale that season together you live with us i think uh in south etobicoke here in, in the in toronto i remember specific because that was the that was the season where it was Michelle, right, who won. Yes. And we were pretty disappointed. Not, not so much against Michelle as we were, like, Aubrey was awesome. Why, why did you say Aubrey there? Oh, she just is such a fun person. And I, I just, lo- I found myself laughing a lot. And I also found myself really respecting her gameplay. Yes, yeah. she was fantastic. Uh, I'll go second. I would say 
Oh man, how do you pick one person, Steph? Uh, the the first person that came to mind was Christian for me, just in terms of entertaining. I mean, if you follow him on Twitter, which many people do, but on the show, he was just incredible. Guys like that, or even I know I'm not supposed to say more than one, but even Cochran, right? When he comes on and just following his story, you just said comes, the same person twice. What? What did I do? I'm so confused. <laughs> Katie got it. Cochran and Christian are very similar. Oh, they are. Ways. They are the same essence. Maybe <laughs> I, I can relate with that kind of uh, nerdy side for sure. But to see them play, then obviously Cochran to come back and win was just incredible. So uh, those two, I mean, Kim, we we love Kim, seeing her mm. see one of the most dominant performances. But um, yeah, if I had to pick all-time Survivor favorite, yeah, I'll go with Christian. Why not? Very oh, likable, very entertaining. Probably one of the most entertaining contestants ever, and like universally loved. And when he got yeah. voted out, it was pretty disappointing. Yeah. Oh man, someone that I think for me, you saw they played three seasons. They um, their first season were labeled a little bit like rough around the edges, maybe, and then won her second season because she became way more relatable and built these relationships with everyone in the game. And I thought had a real good shot at winning winners at war. And it just didn't work out for, I think Sarah Lacine is one of my favorites. I think she's um, relatable to some people that I know, some women that I know as well, just in her attitude and stuff, but she's like super entertaining, thinks the game through strategic, but also took her mistakes, learned from them and moved forward. Like in Game Changers winning that, she owned that season. And I I like the season of Game Changers. I think it was really good. A good season of returnees for me is a season where people don't force themselves to get voted out all the time. And it didn't really happen in Game Changers or Winners at War. Um, there are a few examples of of that happening, but very few. And she, she still kind of owned that season and made some really cool decisions but also learning so she's one of i think i could give you like 17 different favorites but the question didn't ask for that so i can't do that i'm gonna give you one today way to throw out a tough question on our very first interactive session with the audience Uh, if you have questions you can submit them obviously on our twitter feed if you know us personally you can text us and on our website survivoratthome.com if you go to the podcast section scroll down you'll see a comments form you can fill that out and again, we'd love to answer these questions. Love the community engagement and a shout out to Kel for coming up with this fun idea. So again, Wait, our sur- Kel came up with the idea and then didn't post a question. That's We're right. going to have to follow up. We're going to have to follow up on that one. That is true. Yes. Who is the contestant that suggested this idea? Who in fact, isn't that big of a fan because he flaked oh. out. Who is Kel Sherman? Yes. Your 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 words, not mine. <laughs> um, so as we go through, let's get the let's get into the episode. Let's here. do it. Um, yeah. We see it all the time. Every episode, post first thing back, nighttime, post tribal, and starts with Romeo telling us we had to blindside Roxroy. He didn't get Roxroy didn't get voted out, but he was blindsided by this one. They couldn't tell him that um, that they were going to be voting out. Oh my goodness, I'm blanking Swathy. on the name here. Swathy, thank you. Uh, they didn't tell him that we're, they're going to vote out Swathy and Roxroy's blindsided. And I think he made a comment about maybe my social game isn't quite where I think it is. And I went, yeah, yeah, you, you, didn't, you didn't quite know. And these people are, by blindsiding you without voting you out, they're kind of telling you that, that your social game's not where you want it to be. And he's it's a learning lesson for him here and he's gonna mm-hmm. he's gonna actually learn something on survivor about but good uh, on him media. right a guy like yeah. him who i've been a bit critical of him saying he is 
kind of set in his ways, which he is. Like he's the kind of person that makes up his mind and sticks with it. But to just to have that humility, even if he's disappointed, to say, okay, like obviously I got something to learn here. That's far better than for some previous seasons we've seen where players are like him and just will not budge, will not give an inch. So kudos to him and kudos to Tori. Again, someone else who I'm a bit critical of, just something about her rubs me the wrong way and other people have said the same, but she's smart. Like she's showing she's wise and I love her. I love it and I hate it to see the kind of the, the, the mocking as she's like, oh yeah, I like for sure will work. And then it goes to the confessional. She's like, no, there's no way that I'm going to be working with Roxroy. He's definitely gone, but she's smart. These players are smart enough to be able to bite their tongue to not say anything. And that takes us obviously to the Taku tribe the next day where Jonathan is struggling with the same thing. And, and he says in his confessional, I got to bite my tongue because as we're introduced to in this episode, the Lindsay and Marianne in particular are just talking and talking and talking and talking. And you can see he's just going nuts. So he's like, I got to go for, got to go fish, got to go do something. But I want to pause for one of the most important things we've seen ever on Survivor, which is, of course, the Mario Kart reference. <laughs> and we, for those listening... I thought about you, Andrew, when they were having that I conversation. So. <laughs> Subtle. So this, this is important because last season, I made a reference to Mario Kart as like an analogy of how some players like to get out ahead in Survivor and got to kind of hold on to that lead, like a Jonathan or others who are at the forefront, a strong player. Mm-hmm. And in, in Mario Kart, there's a risk to that because everyone's coming for you. You don't get as many advantages and they got the blue shells and then where some people like to sit back and then kind of jump up when it's their opportunity and we see some great players in the wings like drea and like mike and so many others right and romeo and you guys made fun of me i think you said jordan like people may not know that reference like mario kart and i was like what are you talking about mario kart is like the most popular game of all time and that was proven by being featured by marianne canadian uh, Lindsay, uh, they know what they're talking about, talking about Mario Kart. So just wanted to acknowledge that I feel very vindicated in my <laughs> love of Mario Kart. Any comments, I, Jordan, to defend yourself? So first of all, love of Mario Kart is not lost on me. I enjoy Mario Kart. Other than Blue Shells, Mario Kart is fantastic, but Blue Shells are the worst thing ever invented in life. And we need to get rid of those immediately when you're in first place. It sucks. When you're in last, it's different perspective, but I'm acknowledging that. Yeah, I love now. them, but admitting that reveals how good of a player I am. <laughs> yeah, I see them all the time. I don't know why. I just said, I said them all the time. They're the wor- when you're out in front, they're the worst thing ever. I, I still stand by that not everyone's going to understand the reference. Like, I'd love to know the metrics on how many people picked up on the fact that I bet you, honestly, I'm not Kart. just saying this. I bet you 95% of people listening to this podcast or any podcast would understand a Mario Kart reference. Like it's such an iconic, timeless game. Okay. All right. Well, can you make I'm this pretty... one of the questions on Spotify? We can do that. We can do that on Spotify. If you, if you didn't know, if you're listening on Spotify to this on your, you have to be on your phone. I think in the app, I, think every, scroll... most be, I agree with that. Like most people can reference Mario Kart. Would they have gotten this reference? Cause they didn't talk about it for very long at all amongst their 75 million conversations they have a day, according sure. to Jonathan. Sure. They didn't reference it very much at all. So I think the question is how many people would have recognized this Mario Kart versus just in general, anyone can name Mario and Luigi. Sure. And just go for yeah, it. Yeah, it was a little more subtle, but still, I think they were talking a bit about their favorite players as well. Marianne actually said 
didn't she say I use my own me, which is like yes. your personalized character instead yep. of one of the main ones? So let's pause here. Another fan question coming from me, from the audience. Who Who's your guys' favorite Mario Kart player? Like who, who do you use when you play Mario Kart? Who's your go-to? Toad or Yoshi. Okay. When I played Mario Kart on, shout out to Mario Kart DS double screen, um, I would play as Dry Bones every time. Okay, that's a controversial <laughs> take. That's your that's, first pick. That's not necessarily my first pick, but that's who I that's would your use go to. the most in that in that game, and that was the most Mario Kart I played of any. Like that was my most played okay, game. Okay, you're of any showing Mario Kart the audience your hand here to say that that's the the version you played the most of too. Yeah, okay. but that's the truth, though. I appreciate the truth. There's a little Thank bit of judgment in my heart, but you need yes, like a refresher. I picked up. You need a bit that. of a refresher here. Mario Kart 64. The GameCube version was one of the best. Double Dash, obviously on the newer consoles too, just a, a blast. I don't think I actually played the DS one, but anyway, Yoshi for me, always Yoshi, no questions asked. And I will challenge anyone listening to a race, and I, I will still beat you because I'm very good. But love to hear your feedback. Say, yeah, go ahead. I feel like there's an anal- an analogy that you can pull here because they were both talking about that idea when you're starting a race and you have to accelerate at just the right, the right moment to get really far ahead. And I just thought it was interesting because I think we're starting to see, and they talked about how this tribe has started to experience some tension that could see them fall apart. And it felt like this analogy for their tribe of you started so strong you, and then there's that moment in the challenge jumping ahead, sorry, that moment in the challenge where they started strong and then they got caught up in this delay with the braid and, um, so I feel like there's kind of a warning there too. You know, yes, you started the game strong, but you have to keep racing strong. You have to keep, you know, I don't know. I, this analogy is now starting to fall apart. But uh, I appreciate the yeah, effort to, yeah, to keep. Yeah, this is now a Mario Kart slash Survivor. Yes. Okay, there we go. Yeah, I did. I just want to say in the comments, I didn't finish that in Spotify. If you scroll down on your phone on the specific episode, you can see questions that we post each week. Just fun ways to interact. Just another way to get involved, and we'd love for your feedback. We're going to post that about Mario Kart as well. Who do you like to use? Anyway, let's keep rolling here. So uh, coming, out the of the, coming out of the Mario Kart conversation, the next thing we get is Jonathan just being irritated. Now, he's irritable. At they don't eat much, and they're outside, and they're with only, he's mm-hmm. only with three other people all day long. But also, again, the editing is fun on this. Marianne specifically also Lindsay, but i think Lindsay's just more entertaining marianne than anything else they never stop talking <laughs> ever he said he's like there's not a moment of silence and then i felt for him when he's saying all this and they're sitting there in the rain so it's not like he can go do something else because it's just going to be even more miserable than sitting there in their shelter which is probably not that dry and listening to marianne and Lindsay. Marianne and Lindsay never stop talking. I can sympathize with that on just, can I have a moment of silence and I can just sit here and acknowledge that this sucks, that it's raining so much and I can't do anything anyways. Um, He doesn't get that moment, but it was just a funny like, oh, he's irritable, but also I get where he's coming from in this moment right now. Definitely. Yeah. Katie, how do you feel? We talked about this before, but just that layer of biting your tongue. Like, would you be able to hold it in? Would there be a certain personality that would just cause you to snap, especially after no food and no sleep? Yeah. So it's interesting because I'm amazed how many players this season are doing that when they don't have food, when we've seen previous seasons where they've at least got their rice or whatever, 
and people just snap so early in the game. So I don't know if it's something about the the context in history and and just what else is going on in the world and people are bringing a different approach. But I actually really respect the way that a number of players have been able to keep their gameplay as the focus and not snap at each other. I I wouldn't. I would say something. I hope I wouldn't snap. I hope I would be a little more politic about it. But yeah, like I even wonder that moment where Jonathan's sitting there if he could have turned around and said like, you know, in a calm, respectful way, can we have a little bit of quiet time? But I don't think there would be a way to do it calmly. You go on timeout. You you go sit yes. over there. And I understand. There were have some multiple confessionals in this episode where there was someone talking about how or or not talking about how, but showing us a different side of them on confessional versus in the game. Tori showed us that with her comments about, I'm the first one to turn on this group. And then you go back and, and um, Rock's really saying, we should stay four strong and we should work together. And Tori's just sitting there going, yep. Yep, I agree. That's great. That's good. And then back to confessional. These I need Rocks Roy out. He needs to get out of here. And then you have John, uh, Jonathan, who's sitting there with the tribe, just listening, engaging a little bit. And then in the background, is like, can they just shut up for like two minutes, please? Mm-hmm. Just give me some silence for a moment. And I feel like there was another example. Well, of you that see that with Daniel too on the back, like yeah. where they're, he's like, I'm gonna go fishing. They're like, that's great. And then as soon as he's gone, even they're talking about him behind his back or Mike's mm-hmm. cameo or confessional saying like this guy is like saying he can't help in the challenges, but then he's going out. So again, they're pick, you pick at anything in survivor. Cause it's, I actually didn't blame Daniel for going out. He even said, it's like very contemplative, like a meditation almost for him to be out there. If his shoulders bugging me, he's you got the flippers on. Right. So I don't think it's that big of a deal, but there, and again, you're looking for anything and they, they, go against them and, and they, they do they're saying something's aside like yeah this is annoying to see him out there while he's complaining yeah. about his shoulder um do you think that's uh too do you, do you hear what i'm saying like do you, do you feel like they were unfair to daniel when he goes out in the water like because it's true on one hand he's not doing anything in the challenges but um just to get some time out in the water i didn't think it was that big of a deal it seemed a little petty to me i thought there was a little bit of pettiness especially when you're thinking about how the challenges are so much more physical than him just swimming out with a spearfish. Like it's, it's a lot less physically demanding. There's not a pressure on that. And I don't know, they, there would be, but again, that's part of the social dynamic of survivor is that anything to make someone feel or someone appear to be easier to vote out is something that you need to use in survivor. Mm -hmm. And they are able to start using that Um, high also analyzing the tribe and going, Chanel should be the one they should vote out instead of Daniel. And it's like the, the combination of she's a stronger player, probably a stronger social player, but Daniel's very transparent. I think was the word that high used. you know, generally what he's thinking, or you can pick that up a little bit. And so that can be useful in a tribe setting right now, later on tough might not be good, but in this moment right now, he might be useful. Like, how do you balance that out of someone who might be stronger for you later, but also might not be good for you later versus someone who's strong now, but you're really scared of later. It's such an interesting dynamic. And then also they just don't have food. That group, 
at all. You can see it high is going to wither away next week. I think he's going to be gone. Um, not from the game, just his body is just done. He's um, he doesn't have that going on. And so. Yeah. If no, Daniel would come back with five massive fish, I don't think they would be quite so harsh on him. True. That's a good point. Maybe he comes back with somebody to eat and they, they treat him a little more kindly, but they're obviously setting it up all episode, even his little comments aside, which it was his choice to say it, but if like, I don't have much to offer here. They're just kind of coming to this pinnacle of like, all right, enough's enough with him. He kind of is the easy out. So, sorry to the listeners. If there was an awkward pause, it's because my headphone jack unplugged and I didn't know if my microphone was still on or not. So I just stopped mid sentence. People tune you out anyways, on. Jordan. So it doesn't, I don't think it matters. <laughs> it matter. I didn't hear anything. It sounded good on my end, yeah. but it's I good. think the last, that's funny. I think the last, um, the last part about this tribe for me was when Mike goes on confessional and says, how long can you carry a guy before he becomes a true liability? Right. And that was just kind of a like when their time. mic cuts out and you have to keep the podcast rolling. Yeah. Yeah, exactly like that, Andrew. Exactly. Sorry, uh, I'm being unkind tonight. Although but. it turns out my microphone did not cut out. It was no, it was good. You sound, you sound good. Perfect. Let's um, talk about Ika. Uh, yeah. Because I really like them. I'm really liking Romeo. He's really growing on me. And mm-hmm. uh, really cool to see their partnership, Romeo and Drea, how they obviously have to trust someone and they talk about like how needed it is to actually have someone to trust and they go and look for uh, that idol. And before that, even though Romeo's kind of uh, reflection on his life and being in uh, pageant work and really investing in giving back to strong, independent women. And then he points to his mom as being this incredible figure in his life, who is a strong woman. And they moved there from uh, Central America. I believe he said uh, really cool moment and then even just neat to his perspective on his relationship with drea to say i, I actually want to take that and help her even be a better survivor player than she already is and i i don't know if i've seen that before with someone with a genuine desire because it seems genuine to me to actually w- want some to do well on this game obviously he still wants to win and beat her in the end but i really appreciate it i thought that was a really cool moment honestly to hear him say i'd love to see her grow and like and he could see he was getting a bit emotional about that, but they work together. They go and find the idol. Dre is actually one that holds it with Romeo next to her and, uh, and finds it. And then what did, uh, did you catch Katie? Um, Dre is like a side in her little confessional, about women finding an idol. Wait, do you know, I was actually really confused about that because the way she said it made it sound like the women are never finding the idols, but I feel like they find them more often than the guys do. Well, that's just, that's awesome. a reference to a, it's, that's kind of a stereotypical thing that comes up in survivor Twitterverse a lot and kind of in recaps and even past season confessionals, there's kind of this stereotype. I don't know if it's true or not that women don't find idols and I don't know the stats on it. I don't know. The I stats might just on be, it. do you know what? I'm confusing yeah. it with my own gameplay. It's just, <laughs> <laughs> See, that's the, good. it's an interesting di- dynamic because when I think of like the idol hunters, Ben, Tony, like those are men, the ones who will go out there and you know that they're going to search for idols and will likely find multiple in a game. But I'd love to know the statistics on is the idol distribution close to 50-50? It's not going to be 50-50. It could be majority women. It could be majority men. I don't know which one it is, but it's not going to be 50-50. We know that. But who are the idols found by on a large scale? The hunters are men um, for the most part, those who find them 
multiple times over multiple seasons. That's usually the men who find them. Yeah. Um, you but hear that's more their, yeah. 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 I'm but, not sorry. Just to be clear, I'm not discrediting any of the women that have played. No. I, they've, there's been people who've played who've said that exact thing that, yeah. well, women are like painted as not finding the idols very often. So I want to break that. And so you've seen that more in recent seasons. It's come up quite a few times. And then yeah. that's so the, I'm positive. That's what Dre is referencing that like, oh, okay. yeah, w- women actually are good. And she even says like, actually a bit better than men. And I love that. And she's like, Oh, sorry. Like, should I say that? And to the production and they include that in the clip. So that was a, that was definitely a cool moment, but yeah, they, they get the, they get the beware advantage. She feed opens survivor, it. Feed survivor rich now, by the way. Right. She is survivor about rich. the pendant. She's yes. got the pendant. She's got a lot going for her. She's so, wait. Does she have an extra vote as well? Yeah, she has an extra vote. I was thinking about the pendant though. The pendant is still kept in the dark. People don't know. As far as we know, no one knows about the pendant. Lindsay has the pendant. Drea Hi. has the pendant, and High has the pendant. And mm-hmm. we haven't seen them talk about it with anyone else. So the assumption is no one knows about it. Because even when Marianne, I think, was talking about her, um, I think her tribe knows about the the advantage uh that she has the beware advantage of the idol that she has and i was thinking oh does she have the pendant too no she doesn't it's Lindsay on that tribe that's how well it's hidden that those mm-hmm. of us watching who know who have it could still have a moment where we go i don't know who's got it but Lindsay has it so yeah mm-hmm. the pendant i just wanted to shout that out we talk about we complain about this a lot of weeks andrew um that information just flies everywhere in the game and everyone knows everything that one's kept under wraps as far as we know. And they're doing a, all three of them are doing a really good job at that. Yeah. There's kind absolutely. of a, the context that they got it in. I think it's a big part of that because mm-hmm. it felt like there was some subterfuge happening, you know, like with the mud and the blood, like you've kind of committed to this bit and to yeah. admit that you did it, I think would potentially put them in a risky position. Yeah. Hmm. And I point. love the dynamic of that. I wish they were doing tribe swaps in this new era of survivor because the dynamic of if two of those three people end up on the same tribe without the third person is so fascinating to me because they almost have to try and vote each other out to make the pendant more um, powerful. But then one, if they don't succeed in voting each other out, one of them goes home or if someone else goes home, then that'll be real fun. Cause they just battled it out. So it's like, I love the dynamic of that. If two of them ended up on the same tribe, but I don't think we're going to get that. I think we're going to get, just like in last season, based on the teaser and this one, we're going to get that like half merge, half not merge. Mm-hmm. But that's for later in the episode to talk about or next week to talk. Yeah, about. I wonder if we're going to see the hourglass to be determined. Yeah. Oh. Stay tuned. Oh, boy. The tough part is they made the hourglass decision before releasing this before releasing season 41. Right. Um, well, I, so saw Erica, there, I saw Erica tweet saying. I wonder if I'm going to get PTSD from watching next week's episode. She <laughs> would not have PTSD. She won because of that. Oh, maybe that's maybe it was more positive, but she was definitely <laughs> referencing that. Oh, absolutely. Significant episode for sure. Absolutely. Uh, one more thing I wanted to touch on. So they find the beware advantage and it was neat that, um, as you just said, yes, she, so she has the extra vote and she says it, even though I don't have a vote now because of this beware advantage and the phrase I have to say, it's cool because if you have a strong alliance, you can work around that. And I love how she's thinking about the game to say that right away. Smart, smart player, Andrea. I really, really like her. Like her sense of humor too, just how she can just enjoy herself while she's playing. Uh, but she's right. She's she tells Romeo about the extra vote again. I think he already knew. Well, and right? part of part of the two of them, their alliance right now, a duo, duos are strong in Survivor, and part of them being 
strong together is that the person who's going to know how smart Drea is, is Romeo. And if he's true to working with her, people aren't going to understand how smart the two of them actually are because they can just keep that all in house and hopefully work together. We, we see duos all the time in survivor, Tony and Sarah, um, uh, who was it who worked with uh, Tommy in season 39 um, or even last season, they only Shannon and Ricard only made it through a few votes together, but they were a strong duo early that controlled everything and then eventually had to turn each other. And they knew that, but duos are such a big thing in survivor. And so it's really cool. That's another question for next week. Favorite duo. Ah, I like that. We'll Maybe Cal will get week. off his butt and actually text us something. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Cal, um, so, years. We, so we go into just as we're going into tribal Mike's debating. Am I going to say my phrase? Am I not going to say my phrase? We now know all the idols or all the beware advantages have been found. So it's a, what is he going to do? How's he going to work this out? And then right away, boom, Marianne in the most obvious way says the most random thing with the bunny and the mailbox. I didn't think she did a good job. Did you think she did a good job of like hiding it or not having? I don't, but could, like the benefit of being someone who's very excited at everything and talks a lot is that people just laugh at that. And again, because they don't have the context that we do from last season, I'm sure they're like, this girl is whack. Like just, Which, you know, I, yeah, I think yeah, I think it works to her advantage. Also, that's... I don't think I've said wax since the nineties. <laughs> no, but that's a good point. I forgot about that. Like she talks a lot, and her conversation always goes all over the place. So you're right; it's not that shocking that she would just say something random over and over and over again. Because that's kind of, according to Jonathan, that's kind of what it is, anyways, with her. Right. Um. So so she says hers, and then. It pans over and you know, Mike, whether or not Mike is saying his phrase, you know, he's not going second. There's no shot. He's going second. So then Drea finds a way to work hers in seamlessly, which is cool. Jeff starts to talk and then Mike interrupts him and just word vomits a little bit, gets through it. Like Nasir, we saw it with Nasir last season. He got through it somehow saying his line. I don't know that he fully said it correctly, but he said it correctly enough that he got through his line and Mike word vomits his soccer player line um, about kids that he had coached. And there we are. Drea and Romeo had this nice little smirk to each other of good. Yeah, we we got it. We got it. Exactly. And I just went, that's, that's gotta be satisfying for them. Yeah. If you follow our Twitter, by the way, I will retweet Mike goes out this week and posts himself playing soccer uh, somewhere in kind of reference to that. So kudos to him to not only uh, saying the phrase, but kind of pushing himself to give soccer a go after telling his former football players that soccer is not even a sport. But obviously this benefits him. He gets himself an idol in it. Drea's got an idol. Mary Ann has an idol. And that's pretty significant as we're getting close to the merge to have three players with those idols. Again, a lot of people know about them, so we'll see what comes to happen. With that, but I love it. And just to clarify, Potato Gate, as we referenced last week, now we finally have a conclusion because we know it wasn't Tori all along. It actually was Drea's voice reading it. She's the one that finds it. Um, People still complaining a little bit about that, that even though they tricked, it was still production tricking us to think it was Tori. So you still didn't think it was her going home in those early votes. But anyway, that's been resolved. We know it wasn't Tori. And now we have the three with their idol. So come to the challenge. Jeff offers them two tarps. 
people are hoping it's food and it's not. I love those little moments too of just like, show us Jeff, but it's the tarps. We've seen um, so many times with those rewards where they get it somewhat right or they nail it. What they right, want is right. the reward. And they were completely off base in this right. one and then had to try and be happy that they were getting a tarp, which is helpful, but they're trying to be happy. I don't know, Katie, if you're looking for food, that's what you want. That's what you need when you've gone 11 days with like two fish eaten the entire time. And then Jeff Probst comes up and gives you a tarp. How are you feeling? I disappointed. I, the fact that they were all like chanting like schoolyard children, like food, Jeff, food. And please, like, sir. Please. <laughs> I just felt so sad for them. He's like, it's tarps. Mom, Mr. Know. Jeff, we want like, food. They did seem excited though, especially if they'd had that terrible rain the day before. So I think as much as it's not going to be filling their stomachs, it will be keeping them warmer. And that definitely is a, an improvement. So. That piece is crazy. So I listened to uh, Sophie on a podcast last week and she was talking about how you basically got to pick who you want to cuddle up next to and use their body heat. She says it's kind of like a weird thing that doesn't get shown on TV, but you got it. Basically you got to do that if you want to stay warm. And just that added layer of, of, uh, and I, I think over time they've let them have a bit more clothing for that reason, because so, it could be a bit uncomfortable. But she pointed that out that it really is brutal some of those nights, just how cold and wet you are. So to get a tarp is significant for sure. Uh, it's not food, but it still will make a big difference in their, in their comfort level. So, so there we go. And it's worth it's worth playing for at the end of the day for that tarp and for immunity. Um, we get to hear about the challenge. Daniel's going to sit out. I'm sure the Vati tribe was just thrilled that Daniel offered to sit out of this challenge. Right. Um, again, they climb up, they go through, it's a, it's a three or four stage challenge. They go through a net and then have to unbraid a rope, chop a rope with machete, and then launch sandbags onto floating targets, basically. Um, again, aspects of challenges we've seen before Drea with the impressive pull-up, everyone was getting boosted up and she just complete arm strength, um, and a bit of back strength, I guess, with that pull-up yeah. and Jeff ropes pointed out when he points someone out for doing, um, something physically impressive, it's, you know, they've done well. Cause I guess no one else in that challenge other than maybe Jonathan would have been able to do that, uh, in that moment. And so Drea gets the impressive. award yeah. impressive. Um, the braided rope, this was an interesting moment because Tori nails it. The, um, Ika tribe does fine with it. And Omer just struggles. Did you guys catch Lindsay in the background being like, I should have done this. It was a weird moment because I, I don't know. I've had this before, probably on this podcast where your brain just kind of goes silent and it's not that you can't figure it out. It's like your brain just refuses to co cooperate. And it seemed like that's what was happening. Like that. It wasn't even that he was struggling to do it. He just forgot how to be human for a second. Like well, Jeff, just... Yeah. Sorry. Jeff said, I don't think you, it's hard to describe how long Omer has been taking like on this, yes. how long he's been working on it. So you're right. Okay. Just, he must've just blanked. You could see it in his face. He's like, I'm, I'm sorry guys. Like, he didn't get flustered, I don't think, but he just he just was blanked. Just he was blanked. really lethargic in how he was moving too. So I wonder if he was just overheated or something. I don't know. It Having was a weird day, moment. Like because he's sure a smart when you guy. Eaten, yeah, I'm sure when you haven't eaten, like everyone has that day, and it just hit him. Oh, in that's that, brutal timing, the, though. It, exactly, and yeah, Jeff's comment. Jeff normally makes like these off the cuff comments, <laughs> or, like a little bit snarky, and just straight out. 
it's hard to describe how long Omer has spent, as you said, as yeah. you said, Andrew. Like that's a lot. I well, also and he even point... calls out. Sorry, mm-hmm. I was just gonna say he even calls out the emotions on the teammates of Taku. He's like, you can see it on the faces of his teammates. Like they're yeah. how hard this is or how much they're struggling. Like just acknowledging Jonathan and others really so frustrated. With the net and the braided rope and the machete, I wrote down a note and I said, Have they finally made a Jonathan proof challenge? And then it and then Jeff says that comment, and then they get through the braided rope. Jonathan splits the rope with the machete and then first sandbag he tosses hits the he should have done it with his hand just to show off (laughs) he hits the target with the first sandbag and my next comment was never mind about the jonathan proof comment (laughs) (laughs) because here we go again making the comeback and i think this was less a comeback and more vati blew it i don't know what they were or weren't doing on that but they if you can't hit those targets like you they clearly had time. I'd love to know, love to get the stats. Oh, well, here we go with more statistics from me. Time on how, how much time do challenges take? Right. Right. Cause this challenge looks like in my right mind, I feel like I could, I could get a group of four of us and we could do this challenge in five minutes. Mm-hmm. But did they, is the, does the braided rope really take that long? Is it a, is that five minutes alone? Are the sandbags really hard to get used to or like what's going on, you know, mm-hmm. other challenges, we know other challenges take longer, but that one looks like it could be done in five minutes, but is it actually, or is it mm-hmm. longer than that? And how far ahead was Vati ahead of, uh, ahead of um, Taku? I think it definitely, it, it looks like it might've taken longer. And the reason I think that is when they finished, Jonathan goes down and crouches down and just takes a moment to breathe, but it wasn't the posture of I'm exhausted. That was a lot Mm -hmm. of physical work. It seems like his adrenaline was pulsing and you can see it when he's pacing in the background while Omar is going. Like, I think that his body just had this moment of relief that they actually finished it. So I, I think they maybe took, I imagine that it took a while to get to that point. Yeah, that he reacted that way. Yeah, and they and the and climbing the rope as well onto that platform like that would have been a lot of effort, especially because we know Jonathan would have been the one. We didn't really see it, but he would have been the one really kind of leading the charge on getting everyone through that as well. Um, we can just we can take an educated guess on that one. So, um, yeah, it's just an interesting whole interesting dynamic. So as we go, let's go through. High makes his little comment. I thought it was a little bit of a nasty comment. I don't know what you guys think about trimming the fat on his team. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was a little bit of a nasty comment, but also this is what we were talking about earlier in the episode. High was Lydia was supposed to be voted out. And then high was going to be on the bottom of the tribe and be the next person voted out. And now all decisions go through high as Lydia goes on her journey with Roxroy and, um, and they go back and it's clear it's Daniel or Chanel. Like that's, that's pretty clear. Do you want someone who is, physically struggling and kind of a wild card, but for some reason is more trustworthy than the person who's stronger physically, not injured and strategic, but also helpful with the tribe, but you don't trust them as much. It's an interesting dynamic of, of who you want to go with and more about the tribe unity. Um, What did you think? What did you guys think going into this tribal discussion time? What could happen? I was, I, sometimes you go into a tribal and it seems like you, there's only one or two options and then it all goes crazy and something wild happens. This was not one of those tribals. I just thought 
you know, it's, it's pretty cut and dry. It's going to be one of the two of them. Nothing happens. That's out of the ordinary. So I was surprised to see that it didn't end up going that way to a point. There was no variance. Yeah. It was, yeah, they there didn't need to be. There didn't need to be. They opened yeah. it up. By the way, I just often a side comment. Every episode, I like Mike more. Yeah. He seems like so much fun and he looks like the guy who's just going to be physical, but not get the social aspect of the game. Kind of like we see Roxroy a little bit where he's a physical guy. He's straight up, but he doesn't understand how the social dynamics are working necessarily. Whereas Mike is a physical guy. He's very straight up with you honest but he also understands this is a game this is a social game i need to make my decisions and i just every episode i'm like that guy's awesome i'm, I'm a fan of that guy i don't know how you guys feel about him but he uh, i really like him a lot yeah, yeah. very likable very likable clearly the tribe likes him like yeah. he's not doing anything where no one's complained about him everyone likes him mike and they they like him enough that in tribal council they can make fun of him a little bit um, what did they say 107 117 i said he's 117 <laughs> and mike goes no 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 no, 116 and it was it was yeah. a fun moment um but yeah it's clear mike wants high or mike wants daniel gone high wants chanel gone but mike also tells high he'll do what he wants and i wondered if that was true or the dynamic of that but um yeah the the tribe it was 1v1 we knew that going into it or we had a good suspicion on that going into it mm-hmm. they proved it Lydia and Roxroy, interesting dynamic. What did you guys think about their dynamic between the two of them um, discussing what's going on at their tribe? I guess, Andrew, if you want to go first. Yeah, I mean, compare that to last season when you had a couple of the hikes, especially I keep thinking of uh, Shan and um, Lana going up and just the the bond and the openness and the connection that you can you contrast that here with Roxroy and Lydia, who both are like, nope. I'm not going to give them anything. And in fact, I'm going to kind of fabricate a bit of a story. And both of them did that very well. It actually was though more of a negative um, kind of consequence for Roxroy because he left the conversation thinking maybe Lydia sounds like she might be on the bottom here when in fact she wasn't. So he's then thinking she's going to be at the bottom. So she's probably going to risk her vote and go for it. So I should just keep mine safe. And she smartly is going in saying no i i can't risk my vote tonight it'll screw over the tribe if it was a different circumstance then maybe i would do something for my own game but i know the situation back at camp and so they both i think this is the first time we've seen this they both safely uh choose save your vote play it safe and don't risk their vote um but yeah just interesting to see again in the conversation really giving nothing at all just kind of stonewalling and, and smart because they know that the merge is coming and so you don't want to give away too much information. I would find that hard. I don't know about you guys, but to be like one-on-one people who you haven't been with this whole time, I would, my natural disposition would be like, I want to connect with this person. I want to kind of learn more. But that was the first time I thought, oh yeah, there might be wisdom and not just disclosing a lot, right? You can be friendly. Yeah. You can maybe form a connection, but in the game of survivor you cannot like you said before like every piece of knowledge and any little thing could be advent like advantageous so hold on to it uh, last season who it was deshaun and who went up with him do you remember oh okay, anyway whoever testing it was our knowledge yeah testing my memory here i'm struggling on that one i can't remember who it was but it was someone who knew about the three oh it might have been um evie evie 
Mm, I think uh, that's right. And and they did share those details, and it ended up not being a great thing down the road. So I th- I think that we do see examples sometimes where that that overexcitement to share leads to uh, a bad situation for your game. Whereas I think with like what you were talking about with um, Liana and Shan, that they had a connection, and I think any information that was shared came from a place of like, I can tell, I can trust this person. Mm. Rather, like I, I mean, Rox and Lydia seemed like they were just waiting for the same bus. There was not a, there was not a connection there. Right, I like that. There's also a dynamic with the two of them, Rox, Roy, and Lydia, where they're just maybe two of the most different people out there. Mm-hmm. Where Rox Roy is like, in terms of the men on out in this game, he's one of the older men in the game. You you wouldn't call him old, but he's an older guy in this game, and. Um, like he's married, has children, but is also a vocal leader and wants to be controlling a little bit and like lead from the front. And um, the negative aspects of that are like demanding people, um, but the positive aspects are just like leadership qualities and caring for everyone. And Lydia will more lead from the back and and from the other side. And you won't necessarily know what she's thinking or see her out front. Um, she can come off a little bit quieter. She's not as he's very outdoorsy. She's not, she's learning that we remember her confessionals from early in the game. She's a lot younger. She's one of the youngest players in the game. I think she said she's 20, 21, 22, somewhere in that range. Mm -hmm. They're just two very different people put out there. And it's an example where we see different people not actually connecting in the game, right? Where we often like talk about that's one of the great things. Well, it doesn't always happen. And this is one of those examples. And there's external factors of not wanting to share information. You haven't met the person before, haven't spent any time with them. Why do you want to give up any information that you have or tell them the dynamic? And it's all understandable. Mm-hmm. But it's that's a, a good point. It's a great point. They yeah, don't see if you, if you had another 21 okay. year old out there uh with lydia you, that may have gone differently they may have been more prone right. to share or even kind of show your hand a bit more yeah um it's a good point i like that i did want to say one more thing about uh that montage of of lydia talking about her story and kind of processing body image and we were we were watching this with our daughter uh, we watched it today we watched the episode back and it's just neat having um a daughter now who's old enough to kind of begin to understand a little bit and and to see very positive voices on tv right to just hear lydia talking about some of her struggles with her body image um and that you know on survivor everything's just like out in the open like literally like they're filming you 24 7 you can't hide and and just kind of coming to some peace with like actually loving my body and being okay it was cool just sitting next to my daughter and seeing kind of processing what she's processing and just appreciate the positive voices uh, there so shout out to Lydia if you're mm-hmm. ever listening thank you for being a good example and speaking that way um, anything else before we jump into this tribal council which had a very confusing end to it it, it did so the first there's only one thing I want to call out Daniel is talking to Lydia calls her the queen maker and for if they're listening I just want to shout out the kingmaker alliance they know who they are anyone who played with us knows who we are and uh, yeah give a little shout out there but we're ready to go to tribal council which was an interesting tribal council it seemed like it wasn't going to be too eventful other than we weren't clear on who was going to get voted out um but there was no there were going to be no advantages or idols in play in this tribal and we knew that so it's gonna be a straight up vote um mike is talking about how just because they vote someone out doesn't mean they're on a team like more 
Mike sees everyone, like he wants to be friends with everyone outside the game, makes an interesting comment later on about how I'm going to make a game decision and someone's going out and that's the way it is. But that doesn't mean I don't want to spend time. That doesn't mean I don't like you. And they genuinely believe that it's just a cool way that he approaches. He's a fatherly figure without being controlling like others who've come across in that figure in this game. He's just, he's just fun. He, he loves it. I don't know. I'm a, I'm a big fan of him in this episode and previous episodes every time he's Mm -hmm. done really well for himself out there. Yeah. Interesting. And Daniel, you know, he plays into his soft spot and he's not wrong. Daniel talking about how you, you know, you want to build these connections. Chanel kind of calls him out on that and says, very much so. Yeah. Like that's true, but it seems like Daniel's playing the game here, appealing to that. And I agree with Chanel for sure. That was gameplay. Daniel's a smart guy. He knows what he's doing. I think he's genuine in saying that because we've played survivor at home and it's just this crazy, silly weekend. And I feel a real sense of connection. I love, I mean, we've been talking about this forever since we played and doing the podcast and texting and the the online groups. And it's just cool when you have a shared experience, of course, you're going to stay tight. And most survivor players do become great friends or there's a great community, but Chanel rightly calls it Daniel saying, you're just kind of appealing to Mike's soft spot here. You're this strategic saying what you did. Mm-hmm. Um, I really also like Daniel's analogy. He said he's not great at analogies, mm-hmm. but he had a great one kind of responding to the timeless question of survivor. Is it just a game? Like, does anything go in a game? And he referenced Muhammad Ali, how Muhammad Ali, he would never walk down the street and just start boxing someone, get in a fight with someone because he knows, but when he's in the ring, it's game on. And I like that when you come to Survivor, like obviously you're not going to lie to people in real life, or at least you shouldn't. Most people try to live by that. Try not to be deceptive, try to be true to your word. And yet in Survivor, it's like, hey, anything goes, I'm going to betray you. And this is, this comes up a lot. People say like, is it okay? Like, is that um, like, is that pushing the limit? Is that going too far to lie and cheat? And Jordan, you've told us how, you know, you got voted out of Kel Survivor and there's some, maybe some hard feelings there, which we can unpack another time, but like, where's the line in that? And the, and my, you know, stance is like, it's, it's a game. Like it's, you can, anything goes, but people do have real feelings within that. And you have uh, the emotion of it, the, the sense of betrayal, the relationships are real. And then, but someone's got to go. That's the other part of the game is that someone has to go. So someone is going to get voted out and feel betrayed at the end of the night. And there's also a difference too. And I think this is how a lot of us distinguish good gameplay and favorite players that there is some deceit that's required. Like it just, you can't go around being explicit to everyone saying I'm voting you out tonight. And so is so-and-so you're my number one. Yeah. (laughs) And you, (laughs) that worked out well. Yeah. But I think there's a difference too between playing the game and having to say things that you need to say to get through it and being cruel about it. And I think in the mm-hmm. past, some and definitely like early days of Survivor, I think that was more the emphasis. And now I think we're at a point where we realize like that makes you a villain. Like people, people well, don't want to see. About, what about Tony? Didn't he always swear on his children's grave or something or his mom's grave or? Like he would, and I think he was just like lying. Like he would still go and do it, right? He was, but I mean, like there's a. Yep. I think that there's a difference between playing and making people believe you and making people feel <clears throat> small. And I think that the, mm-hmm. the, that is a, right. dif- right. a different way of playing. Right. I mean, the most iconic in that situation is Russell Hance. Russell Hance played two back-to-back seasons, made the finale in both and didn't hear, didn't know the results until after both were done and found out he lost pretty heavily in both of those because the jury 
just did not respect the way he treated them, the way he got there um, in the line, cheating, stealing, like all of it. And I mean, is there a more, there's probably, I don't, if you're doing villain power rankings, there is not a more iconic villain than Russell Hansen. He knew that going in, but the jury really disrespected the way he played the game because they felt hurt and lied and, and out of bounds is a lot of the, I think a lot of the way you can describe it as well. Right. Um, but the other part of the tribe dynamic and Katie, I think you were kind of leading to this a little bit. High has a great line here where he's talking about, they are five autonomous players all with the same goal, but a different view on how to get there. Um, and that is the essence of working in an alliance in a game like survivor big brother as well, but you have a goal on what you want to do and everyone has a different idea on how to get there and you need to do it for yourself and be selfish at times. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's a fun dynamic. So we get into the vote here. The last comment actually high made is that all six people felt blindsided at the last tribal council, which I think we talked about on the podcast. Yeah, which we is did. True. Everyone was blindsided in that one, which is unique. And I don't know how many times that has happened before that a whole tribe can be blindsided mm -hmm. um, in one tribal council. But we get into the vote, and this is where the tribal council turned two votes for Lydia, or not two votes for Lydia, two votes for Daniel, two votes for Chanel. That's not overly shocking. And then one vote for Mike. Do you guys know how the votes broke down? Who voted for who? I do. I had to write it down. And London Steve called me today, and he was asking the same thing. We were trying to, okay. and I think he was right, actually, London Steve, if you're listening, which I know you are. Uh, Why are you looking up to the roof like he's up in heaven? I'm just thinking. I'm, I'm just, I get emotional when I think of London he's Steve. And I, can't, I don't want you to see my wow. eyes welling up. An hour and uh, 10 minutes in, and London Steve finally gets referenced. He no, no. You guys, you referenced him in like the third minute. Did we? You did. Oh. It's just become so natural. I don't, I honestly don't even remember. That's how normal. <laughs> you don't remember. Just, he's just <laughs> such a part of the show uh that's amazing but anyway yeah he called me today and we were asking about this the vote breakdown because it was kind of confusing but Kate, you said you you wrote it down as well yeah. yeah that it was chanel voted for mike yeah chanel voted for mike and then high and lydia voted for daniel yeah and daniel and mike voted for chanel yeah i don't know why chanel did that when okay, she look. knew she was on the chopping block okay mm -hmm. here's my i put some thought to it Okay. London Steve helped me a little bit too. Um, it is confusing for sure. First of all, thing I don't understand: Daniel didn't play a shot in the dark. Chanel didn't play her shot. In well, the dark. good thing. So good thing Daniel and Chanel both didn't because they would have been. Well, good thing Daniel didn't because he would have been voted out if he had played it. Well, unless oh, he, he got, got voted saved. out anyways. So yes, that but... tells me first of all that High and Lydia and Mike did not disclose clearly to one or the other yeah like put your vote we're gonna like they didn't go to daniel and say yeah it's for sure chanel put your vote there it didn't mm -hmm. seem like that was happening um so the kudos to them to kind of keeping that tight to their chest they must have decided before hi and lydia uh we we're gonna vote for daniel they must have told mike we want you to vote for chanel um which is interesting because at the end mike gets upset because anyway hi and lydia vote for daniel Mike and Daniel vote for Chanel. I think what Chanel is thinking maybe is that uh, if Daniel plays a shot in the dark and somehow all the other votes uh, were going to him and then Daniel is going to vote for me, then I want there to be at least someone else's name. So it's not, oh, it, it's, 
there's a lot of like layers to it though because there's other things that could have happened including mike even playing an idol but also just how did she know daniel was going to vote for her uh but that's it's a bit confusing but i think that's the summary of it that she assumed well daniel i think all the votes are going for daniel tonight but so then maybe he might play a shot in the dark and then if he does and he gets it i don't want to be the one name that he writes down so i'm going to throw another name out there that makes sense it does it's although it's still confusing like it's it's still a little like why didn't she play a shot in the dark i'm I don't know. It's which yeah, like do better odds, maybe. Yeah, yeah, I'd be curious to hear her talk about that one. It's definitely on Twitter. A lot of people were confused as well yeah, by that move. It just seems like, well, I mean, the vote would have been a lot easier if you just vote for Daniel and Daniel's out. Yeah. Now he he ended up getting voted out anyway, so it's not a big deal. Because in the revote, it's three zero. Mike knows. Uh, uh, once it gets to a revote, Mike knows what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. It's going to be Lydia and I are going to continue to vote for Daniel, and that's it. The other, another thing with that is L- Chanel definitely doesn't know if Lydia has her vote or not. Oh, yeah, that's true. Right? So if you don't know if Lydia has her vote, that's someone who's likely to vote for Daniel who may not be voting for Daniel. Right? Yeah. Yeah, so, so it was a risky move. It could have been the thing that sent her home for sure. It could have. Like if Lydia doesn't have her vote, if Lydia, maybe Lydia told her outright that she protected her vote, but if Lydia risked her vote and didn't get it, then Chanel's out in that situation. Mike and Daniel vote for Chanel. Lydia's vote doesn't count. So there's one vote for Daniel, one vote for Mike and, and Chanel's out. Didn't Lydia come back and tell them all? I'm blanking now. She on- did, but can you trust it? A hundred percent? Right, right. Yeah. Right. The other yeah, thing, I'm I did. Sure... I'll be honest. In making up this scenario, I did forget about that moment for for that second that I made up the scenario. <laughs> but it's fine. It's fine. But you still can't trust it 100 percent that that's what's happening. For sure. Right. Just because she told you. And she paid for it. I'm sure she had a moment of panic when the votes got read. Like if I had have just voted for Daniel, he'd be going home. Mm-hmm. We wouldn't have to revote. So I'm sure she was pretty nervous there. And now Mike's going to be upset. Now I am confused because yeah. Mike turned and said. I told you I wouldn't vote for you. I think this is what he said. And but someone wrote no. my name down. Isn't that what he no, said? He's, no, he said he was talking to uh Lydia and uh Romeo. Hi. Oh. No, hi, sorry. Yeah. And hi. And he was saying, I did what you told me to, and someone wrote my name. So he Ooh. thinks so it was the three of them that talked. I think he thinks one of them wrote it. So Ooh, as soon as it comes fine. out that it was oh. Chanel, I think it'll be oh, okay. That's, okay. It'll be that's okay with the three of them. Chanel. Chanel's okay. in trouble. She that's, is in that's trouble. spicy. If she, yeah, that's spicy. If Chanel doesn't say anything about it, yeah. though, if, if they all just make Mike think that it was someone else, that's a fun one. That will be um, good. Well, we're coming up to a very interesting episode because they are kind of merging, dropping their buffs, dropping their buffs at least. And <laughs> all of this is going to come to light. I, I, I didn't even realize this until someone posted it. Four, four, and four. Mm-hmm. Going I think they into, talked about that, didn't they? Maybe. They talked about that Maybe in this episode did. of yep. that even, after this vote, it'll be four, four, and four. Everyone will be even because all these tight fours that people are like, I don't love a tight four. I'll take a tight two any but day. Is but is there a tight four? Who's of, of the three tribes, who's most likely to stick together? After this episode? You have Taku. Yeah, going I into... Taku, I think Taku is actually okay. I, if they have a good conversation. 
like working together, most likely to, to work together. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. They have a good moment of quiet together. Um, oh, the tightest four. I think I would take Taku as well because I don't know how much Ika trusts each other, really. And especially, well, we know that Tori doesn't want to work with Roxroy. And I don't know how much the other two trust Roxroy anyway, so that there's a division in that group versus the only division in Taku is that Marianne talks a lot and Jonathan hasn't eaten enough. That's really the only division in that group. Otherwise, they work together. They have proven to work together pretty well and have gotten to know each other really well. So I would imagine that they'd be in a real good spot. But also the dynamic of if this next vote pre-merge is similar to last season only six people will be up so and it likely won't be two two and two right that will be up to be voted out it will likely be you know there'll be some sort of different distribution whether one tribe is three people or even four people up to be voted out um the the dynamic will determine who the tightest tightest four is and who isn't the tightest four definitely i i have a feeling Jonathan and Marianne have been paired together a lot in this episode. Like there's that bit of a, a tiff between them about the cutting the wood and her overreacting and him getting frustrated by that. So I kind of think that however it ends up that they're going to be together as well. You think that it's this trying to tease something that's not going to happen? Like try to take us off the scent that they're close to? Oh, I'm, yeah, that's true. They do that all the time. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, a, it's an interesting... Mm-hmm. We'll see how how it breaks down. I don't love the dynamic of that um, of the Vati tribe, and I don't know how I feel about the dynamic of the the Ika tribe. But uh, but Taku is probably in the best spot. The thing with Taku is they have the biggest target out there in Jonathan. Right. Everyone's right. going to want to vote that guy out. It's a good immediately. point. Immediately, yeah. It'll be interesting. It's going to get mm-hmm. spicy next week. Will we see the hourglass? Who knows? Will we or see- blue shell? Or a blue oh, shell blue. <laughs> coming out. Well, we see some food. What beach Isn't the hourglass the blue shell? Yeah. Flip the game on its head. I wonder if they're going to yeah. do it. I, I, I'm curious, but should be good. Um, I'm wondering. I bet you they do it, but they it's a different. It's going to be a different format than the last because they're not just going to repeat the hourglass from the last season because that's not what they've been doing other than the beware advantage. They've been changing things up. We I've talked about that a couple of episodes, but things are similar, but also different permutations, I guess is the best word to use. Um, right. With the first challenge, the sweat versus savvy, the amount of people that could do it was different than last time around. And um, adding in the three-way dynamic pen, uh, pendant advantage. That's a new one. They've done a couple others differently. Um, yeah. It's just, it, they give us a couple of different versions of the same thing. So I, I'm guessing that's what they're going to do, but I don't know what a different version of that hourglass looks like. Mm-hmm. Maybe three groups again. Hmm. Mm. Three different, three different groups instead of two. Mm-hmm. And only four get food. Yeah. Oh, like, four. Be, Oh, I like that. Oh, they wouldn't send just four to a tribal. That would be too crazy. They'd be very close to Big Brother style if they did that. Yeah, it's true. Not out of the realm of possibility. There's so many things, but the merge is upon us. We know that the tribes are dropping and the merge is upon us, which is an exciting time. That's when the game gets going and the merge, whoever gets the merge boot is, it's a tough situation, but it really starts to define lines in the sand. It's, it's the other, the last dynamic I think to talk about is that 
they haven't swapped tribes at all. Everyone only knows who they've played with. There's no, there's very, very little cross tribe relationships. There's the pendant, which haven't talked to each other in 12 days now or 11 days. The, a couple of the journeys, which some of them were a little less relationship building than others, as we saw today. And uh, beyond that, um, there's no other relationships out there. So it's really, it'll be cool to see everyone start to play together and see what cross tribal bounds or or binds or bounds are made and what uh, what doesn't work out yeah i'm sure there's going to be some unexpected alliances coming up yes the unexpected alliances are going to be fun and who's going to flip on their own group of four first so today tori 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 is going to flip first betting right now (laughs) tori is going to flip first andrew any final thought i do not have a final thought i i I'm hoping they don't do the hourglass. I liked it last season, but after more thought, I don't know if I like the idea of the winning tribe having to kind of reverse their fortune. Uh, but again, love this season, loving the episode. It is cool that you got a four, four, four going in makes it harder than ever to predict. Um, I just want to say again, a big thanks to everyone who's listening. It's neat for us to see how many people are tuning in. Uh, it means a lot again, that you would make us a part of your week. So thank you for doing that. Please like and share the podcast. If you feel so inclined, that would help us a lot on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. You can like it, uh, write the comments. We'd love for your questions to come in so we can hear more and engage more. This has been a lot of fun tonight. Uh, And then our Twitter handle is Survivor at Home, at Survivor at Home. And again, thank you even to the contestants from this season for liking and getting uh, some interaction there with uh, some fans and contestants as well. But Katie, thank you to you for being on the podcast. Anything profound? Uh, Survivor Home Season 5, are you going to play? Are you going to help? What, what are you thinking for that? Uh, I, I feel like I'm still in retainer as admin assistant, so <laughs> come back in that capacity. I do want to say I, I almost dozed off once or twice, not because this was boring, but because it, I forgot I was actually on the podcast and I like, it was just very relaxing having this just chat. Just to tune in and listen. That's a good yeah. compliment. Yeah. 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 Nice. But then I was like, Oh yeah, I'm not, I'm not I'm, muted. We're not <laughs> paying you to sit there yeah. quietly. Katie. No, Come on. I can actually yeah. respond and they'll respond to me now. Yes, yes. I know. I do respond sometimes when I'm listening to it. <laughs> I'm like, Oh yeah, this, I just can't, I don't know what's real anymore. You guys. Anyway, thanks awesome. for having me. All a blur. Katie, thank you so much for joining us. Andrew, thank you very much for getting everything ready to go and a great discussion this week. This has been episode five of Survivor at Home, the podcast following season 42 of Survivor. Crazy 42 seasons. Follow us on Twitter. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, wherever else you might catch a podcast. We look forward to talking to you, talking with you and to you next week. Find our questions on the Spotify app and we will see you then.